Welcome to the Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil. Veronica King is a math and German major at the University of Texas at Austin and the president of the local Secular Student Alliance. She's the director of our co-op, and on multiple occasions, I have been impressed by her calm and collected leadership skills. In one particular meeting at the co-op, a person said something in an intimidating way, but Veronica's response to them was unafraid and calm. This immediately made an impression on me since I feel that this is how I would like to be as well. Later, I brought this up with her, and Veronica revealed that, in fact, she never feels intimidated by people. On probing further, it turned out that she doesn't even know how intimidation is supposed to feel as a physical emotion in the body. I was amazed and questioned her further, and she revealed that her parents never used intimidation, punishment, discipline, or manipulation as strategies when raising them. In this conversation, Veronica shares what her parenting was like and what her parents' parenting was like. She shares her view on why intimidation is not an effective strategy and honest explanations work better. But is all that work worth it? How would she raise her own kids? I get her view on a few situations where intimidating a child may sound acceptable. Does intimidation ever go in the opposite direction, from child to parent? I describe Indian parenting that is mostly based on authority. Then we discuss the link between the parenting cultures of different societies and their relationship with other authorities like the government or God. Okay, so you probably know what I want to talk about. Um, no, I do not. You don't? I told you that I wanted to have a recorded conversation about this thing. And it was about how I noticed that you don't get e- easily intimidated by people. And then I was like, I wasn't sure if I had got that right or it was some kind of like a like a misrecognition on my part. And then it turned out that, that you said that when you were a kid, your parenting did not involve any like intimidation, but it was more like teaching by example rather than by intimidation. And I find that really actually very interesting because I think I've rarely seen examples of parenting like around me when I was growing up, at least in India, or like with other people, where some form of intimidation was not part of their upbringing. In fact, if you tell like a lot of Indian parents the concept of parenting without intimidation, they would not even understand what then is left of parenting. And so I should confess that to me, it is actually still kind of intriguing because I was thinking about this in my head afterwards. And I was like, at least I think I would definitely be less intimidating than my parenting was 
but there are some situations okay i want to get to those situations a little bit later but first i just wanted to kind of rehash because we haven't had this conversation recorded that it is true that you don't really feel intimidated in a lot of situations where maybe the other person is trying to intimidate you no i don't think so not really. No. Yeah, and you were saying how you don't even know what that's supposed to feel like. Yeah, you were, I think, describing that it sort of made you feel scared sometimes, and I, eh, I don't, I don't really get that. So, okay. do you know what like? I mean, but you're familiar with the feeling of fear. Yeah. So, can you describe the feeling of fear, like in terms of bodily uh, sensations? Um. I guess it's just your your body preparing to do something, you know? It's like yeah. an energizing sort of... Ah, an energizing thing. But do you feel... That seems almost like a positive thing. It, yeah, not like a... Not, not like that, but like, you know, fight or flight. Yeah, you, fight or flight. You gotta yeah. either get out or get... get Going. Yeah, like I feel like my heartbeat goes up. Yeah, is that that happens to you? There's like a sudden like, um, like a tightening of my chest that happens to you. Okay, and um, maybe like a it depends because there are different flavors of fear. But sometimes there's like a dropping of the stomach, and this you said, mm-hmm. you never feel like a dropping of the stomach. I don't think so. No. Um. I guess. Like literal, like on a roller coaster where your body is being moved like that, sure. But yeah. Outside of that, I don't think so. So the the other two reactions, which are just like you know, raised heartbeat, tightening of the chest, and the way that you described it, where your body is like preparing. Yeah. That's kind of a more, in my mind, a more. Like an active, like about to about to actively respond kind of response whereas the stomach dropping is more of like a like this is a scared a, like oh yeah. no i'm not going to respond actively to it kind of thing so so you never feel those feelings that you described as fear in response to like people intimidating you i don't think so no oh yeah that's pretty rare <laughs> among humans <laughs> Like, do you realize that? I mean, like, if somebody has a gun and I feel like they're going to kill me, sure, but I've never been in a situation like that. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about gun. I I don't think somebody talking to me is going to harm me, you know? Yeah. But do you realize that your lack of feeling intimidation in such circumstances is quite rare? I realized it after you pointed it out the first time. That's crazy (laughs) that it took you... How old are you now? I am 21. And nobody has pointed this out to you before? Mm-mm. Whoa. Wow. Okay. You know, I, so this might be new information to you, so you don't know whether to believe me or not. But I would say going forward from this point, just see, you know, just maybe start making observations about how common this is. And I feel like you will find that this is actually quite uncommon. I mean, I just don't know, like, I feel like after the first time we spoke about this, I probably should have been paying attention, but I don't remember any, any instances of, yeah, yeah. 
oh, this person is interacting with me in a way that I, they want me to be intimidated. You know, I haven't noticed that. Yeah, but I think that's part of it, is that um, not recognizing something as being like this person is trying to intimidate me is part of what I'm talking about in that, and I think this partly maybe probably comes from your parenting where intimidation was not used as a tool. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of kids, intimidation is used as a tool. So the parents make sure that the child understands that they're being threatened with like loud voice or violence or threats or actual physical violence and things like that. So they're going to make sure that the child learns how to recognize that they're being intimidated, which is probably not something that you were put through. So not having been put through that as an adult, you don't really parse it. Yeah. Maybe. But that's also interesting because I feel like that to me doesn't really necessarily like not having been intimidated as a kid doesn't necessarily predict for me that you would not be able to see it as an adult but it works out for you great i have a friend who does not see aggression like in a lot of cases a person was definitely trying to be aggressive and he doesn't even get it and so it fizzles out for the other person like he doesn't even get it Later on, he has to be told by other people, like, this guy was really kind of trying to be aggressive. And he's like, oh. <laughs> uh, so another reason that I'm bringing this up and having this conversation is I think it's very important for me to unlearn being intimidated. Like this situation that just happened, I felt intimidated. You know, you witnessed. We're not going to go into details, but I was just like, there was a person who was mad and said some things and I was like oh this person is very charged right now and I immediately my heart rate went up and I noticed that I'm not calm at all and I'm kind of faltering as I'm responding but I did respond mm -hmm. yeah I was I was listening to it wondering if I should step in but it seemed like you you were handling it yeah enough, so. so but you did you realize that you know that that was a situation where like one person was kind of intimidating, the other person would poss possibly be in this intimidated I, situation? I mean, she, the, the person, as far as I can tell, doesn't really hold a position of power over you, so I, I didn't see that. I could tell that the person was upset, but I mean, there's not much you could do to retroactively fix the problem, so I don't really know what they were going for. You know, that's interesting because you you are parsing and talking about these situations from a very utilitarian point of view. Like, you know, this person doesn't actually hold any power over me, you know, like kind of concepts like that. Whereas in the moment, intimidation is just pure emotion. You don't really care. Like the brain stops caring if this person is actually or I'm actually at fault or things like that. Is just the gestures and language and volume and all of that that the mind has learned at some point. It's like, shit, you got to be scared now. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so that's interesting. interesting. But it is important for me to unlearn some of that because I feel like that's something, I've told you this, that's something that I'm personally trying to become better at is in situations where I feel like 
I am feeling intimidated. That's not a good reason for me to like back off from what is otherwise a legitimate position. So I want to kind of stand my ground. So I find, you know, the way that you are in those situations, very admirable. Now you might not be, you know, like deliberately figured out how to do it. It might have been like just baked in your upbringing. But I think there's still something to be learned from that. So I feel like the thing to go back to is how the upbringing was. And I'm thinking, man, I think it would be really nice to bring up children without intimidating them, as foreign as that idea might be. And I was like, there are some situations though, where I feel like I would not know what else to do, except just like kind of tell them, dude, you can't do this, like scared them. Like for example, what if my child is being a bully to other kids? I mean, what what my dad told me um, a year or two ago was that like, their, their parenting philosophy was kind of, okay, whenever Veronica hits a certain age, she's going to go into a tunnel and she's not going to listen to us anymore because she's going to be a teenager. So up until then, we have to give her as much preparation for that as possible so that when we can't reach her anymore because she's being a rebellious teenager, she has all of the, the stuff that we want her to have to become a good person. You know, so I think... They, they were just trying to get as much positive stuff into me as a human being um, before, like, 12 or 13, like, middle school. And that, that was their whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But you say, you say this positive stuff, and I feel like in a lot of cultures, disciplining the child, punishing them for wrongs, uh, scaring them like I remember something as simple as when little children in India don't want to eat their food including in my family they would be told like scary stories of there lives this character in the house and oh he's gonna come out if you don't eat your food it starts from very young age and if you tell these people for them a lot of these things are positive things so the word positive itself for me does not break it down enough. Like what is positive for your parents? So I think the issue with discipline, scaring and intimidating your kids is it might work when they're like five years old, but when they're a teenager, if you discipline them, they don't have to listen to you. If you tell them scary stories, they know they're not real anymore. Right. So, um, I guess a lot of it would be, you know, explaining the thought process. Like, you, you have to do this, not because I'm telling you, but because this, this, and this. And mm. then whenever I'm 14 years old and I'm not listening to them, I still have, like, the way that they have explained their thought processes that's still in my head. Mm -hmm. So I can think through things myself and make, hopefully make decisions the way they would have wanted me to. You know? I see. So, so when your parents were asking you or saying you should be doing this, they were usually also su supplying some kind of reasoning. Yeah. And, and I, when I was a kid, I asked a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> whenever they tried to say, I, because I told you so, you know, I would say, well, why, why'd you tell me? So it, I, I usually got to the base reason for things. And I think they were also trying to foster that. I see. So I'm wondering now if this was a little bit of a back and forth, as in you, your personality was also... Well, I'm seeing the bottom half of your, of your face after a long time. 
um, that your personality was also kind of amenable, maybe, to upbringing like this, where you are actually kind of like this curious person, and were you actually convinced by this reasoning process? Like, after you had been given a reason, would you be like, okay, sure, I won't do it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so because that's what I think sometimes, a lot of the times, parents will say this, and I think it's actually kind of true, is that you can't reason with kids all the time. Like, you can tell them a perfectly logical reason, but their kids, they don't really know how the world of reason and logic and long-term consequences work. Like, if you say you shouldn't watch TV for that long, because, and you try to explain to them, it's so hard as a child to understand why you should not watch TV for longer. Or why you shouldn't eat candy all the time, or something like that. The conceptual answers for those, children don't live in that world. They live in a more immediate world. And in their immediate world, there are so many cravings. Like, I just want to keep watching TV. I don't want to do homework. I want to eat candy. Yes, I want to fight with my brother and like punch him and take this thing. So that's the thing. That, that, that's why I feel like a lot of people resort to like emotional weapons like intimidation and kind of like manipulation is bullshit instead of reason. Don't you think like so? How I, mean, is I that? think that's it's easier short term, but you kind of get back what you put in, you know? So if you. Put, put forth the work and time and effort to try to get logical thought into your kid's head, it's going to pay off more than just yelling at them to get them to do stuff, you know? I see. I, I think. Uh-huh. So do you... Well, this is kind of a hard question to answer. So I'm basically asking the question of nature versus nurture. Like, where you kind of naturally a person who was more compatible with like this kind of logical based teaching versus did you become that because your parents were trying to prioritize that way of bringing you up? I have no idea. I, I think I'm a pretty logical person. I think my sister is as well. Yeah. You we were raised by the same people. Yeah. We also have similar genes. Yeah. But, I don't know. Yeah, because... I feel like it would be amazing to try and generalize your upbringing as widely as possible. There is a, um, a lady that I'm watching on TikTok a lot nowadays. She has two sons, and she is very, like, she explains everything to them. Like, like you, you can't use the knife because it is dangerous, and you can only use this specific knife and only when mom is here watching you to make sure that you're okay. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Um, and I I think, like, she is a full-time mom. That is her entire yeah. thing. So she has the time and the energy to do stuff like that and explain to a two-year-old why boiling water is dangerous, you know? Um, so it's definitely, like, a privilege to be able to spend yeah. that much time on your kids and, and um, communicate with them. But it works for her. I don't know. I don't know what kind of people her children would have been if they had a different parent. Like, I don't know what kind of person I would be if I were raised differently. But yeah. And I wonder what kind of parenting your parents had. Do you have any idea about that? <coughs> um, 
Not really. My... I feel like my mom's household was pretty chaotic. She was the oldest of three kids. Um, her dad was at work all the time. Her mom was at work all the time. I'm not sure. And then my dad, he was an only child. Um, I would say lower middle class-ish. Mm. He, he grew up um, both in Germany and in the U.S. because his dad was in the army and they like would switch back and forth because his mom was German. Um, so he got a cross-cultural upbringing, I guess. Um, but I don't really know much about the family dynamics. Yeah. And do you feel like this thing about the upbringing of you and your sister being kind of more like reason-based? Is this more of, is this more due to one parent versus the other, or would you say both of them have this culture? I feel like both of them. I think my dad's more logical than my mom. My yeah. mom's a little more emotional. Yeah. But I don't think either of them were like yelling at me, trying to trying to scare me to get me to do stuff. Yeah, but you do. Do you ever feel intimidated by, yeah, you do feel intimidated by situations, right? Because you're like, this move-in thing that's going to happen, you said you're like freaked out by it. So I would not maybe necessarily say intimidated, but like feel different flavors of fear, anxiety, worry about situations. You mean to like move out, move in? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. said you felt. I mean, I, I'm nervous that it's not going to go well. Yeah. Um, and I feel like one of my responsibilities is to help make sure that it goes well. Um, I guess tasks can be intimidating, right? When you're when you're assessing what you're going to have to do and you're worried that you might not be able to do it. Is mm -hmm. that intimidation? Yeah, I guess you can be intimidated, yeah. But the thing that you're lacking seems to be intimidation by humans. Yeah. So... The, uh, the other kind of genre of questions that I wanted to ask you is how would you raise your own kids? Presumably, like, similarly, as far as this is concerned? Yeah, I would, I would want to make sure that, number one, I have plenty of time to be a parent. If, if I'm going to have a kid, I don't want to be working for... I want a good amount of time when they're first, like, developing just to hang out with them and train them on how to be a human and stuff. Um, and I would try to make sure that they understand, because kids are people. I feel like a lot of people forget that, you know, they're, they're small, but they're actual people. They have emotions. They can understand things to some extent. <coughs> Sorry. Um, but... I would definitely try to get on their level, explain to them why things are happening. You know, if they do something wrong, explain to them why it's wrong so that it's not just, I can't do this because mom told me not to. It's, I shouldn't do this because this, this, and this. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's a more solid background to get them to make the right decisions, you know? Yeah, but my thought is that I feel like, yeah, a lot of people would say that even after you explain something to a child, they just do it. They just do the thing that you ask them not to do, even after you explain to them. 
and I think some people like some parents like lose their patience at some point and they're like you're not going to listen to reason so now I have to create something that you will be scared of and I don't want my kids to be afraid of me yeah but you yeah I understand that but you can't think of any other, any situation where your like reasoning strategy would fail I mean I'm sure like there's a an emergency like my kid is trying to run out into a street where there is traffic i'm yeah. not gonna say hey you shouldn't do this because cars are dangerous i'm gonna grab them yeah. and keep them from running out into the street you know but yeah i i hope that i will be in a position where i can take the time with my kids to explain things multiple times even if it gets yeah. annoying um and hopefully eventually it'll drill into their little skulls and they'll they'll figure things out Maybe after I do this with one child, I will decide that is enough. I can't do any more. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But, but, you know, I feel like, in a sense, it is a lot more work. But it is worth it. Because the outcome of that is basically the manifestation of a full human being and the ways that in which they're going to conduct themselves in the world in the ways that they're going to show up to situations that's going to be noticed by other people and then they're going to be questioned about it. And, and they're going to get recorded. And they're going to get recorded. They're going to... <laughs> and they're going to maybe inspire something here and there. So that's the full outcome of how your parents... You know, it's like... it's ca It cascades. Yeah, parenting is seen as a very different ball game in India. So. The, the role of parents are to be mostly a disciplining authority that are kind of there to yeah I mean they're doing it for your good but they're not your friend and they are mostly a, a kind of an authority oh something else uh, a while ago, I started thinking about the connection between parenting culture in in a nation, let's say, or in some some part of the world. What kind of parenting culture they have, and what kinds of authoritarian ideas that they have in the sphere of government and in the sphere of religion. And I feel like there is a parallel. Like, if parenting in a country, let's say, is very authoritarian, then their government also tends to be authoritarian, and their religious views also tend to be authoritarian. And the way that they relate to their government is the way that they relate to their parents, and the way that they relate to the world through God is also kind of the way. Because parents are the first flavor of authority. It fi fucking bakes into your head. And then wherever you're looking for authority in large systems, hierarchical systems, you create what you saw. And uh, you are also an atheist. <laughs> I mean, I was just raised like that. Yeah. Like an active choice. You were raised atheist, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that's a big coincidence here that, you know, <laughs> you were kind of raised, raised without this kind of commanding authority. And so you don't really see that in the universe either. And what are, you, uh, what are your kind of like political views? What ist are you? If you had to find a word. 
um, when I do, you know, the like chart where you take a quiz and it puts you on the chart. Yeah. I'm like in the bottom left corner. What does that mean? Uh, what are those things? The libertarian left. Yeah. Okay, that's low, where low government left policies. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, for example, I've seen this parallel that in India. Both parents and governments are more authoritative. We expect the government to like kind of bark rules at us, but also just like catch us when we fall all kinds of social nets and things like that. And we were like complaining, why doesn't the government do this for us? Why doesn't the government do that for us? In the same way that we complain about parents. And the government just comes in and says in India, although it's a democracy, it's kind of like heavy handed. Oh, you're not going to do this. Oh, you're not going to do that in the same way that parents do. Whereas in the United States, individual freedom is more important, both in family structure. Like parents kick children out at, at a certain age and then they're just supposed to fend for themselves. And government too. You know, it feels like uh, it's like less authoritative, but also at least, you know, there are social programs, but at least they don't make a big deal out of like, oh yeah, this is what we're here for. Things like that. It's a lot of figure it out on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I noticed, like, for example, in some more, like, really strictly Islamic countries, like in the Middle East, uh, I've had, I know a couple of people from there, and I know that, you know, parenting in those families can also be very kind of authoritarian. And I think Islam is, there's just no mention. It, it is kind of like an authoritarian understanding of what God is. Like, there are these rules, and you have to kind of follow these rules. And I feel like the government is also kind of like more authoritarian. And there are like a lot of rules and kind of like a system of reward and punishment to learn the rules. Um, yeah. So that's kind of interesting. So that's going to be your personal... It, your personal attempt is going to be just like explaining things as much as possible. Yeah. Man, I would like to do that too, but I'm like, what if my kid is just a dick? <laughs> you just gotta hope that it ain't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like some kids can be kind of like dicks with no at least apparently good reason. Like, they will take an insect and slowly, slowly pull out its like wings and legs and just want to like just want to have fun like torturing something and I feel like if I see my kid do that I'm going to like um, I don't know at some point I'm going to like run out of like kind and reasoning things to say because I'm like you know at the bottom of the day when I was your age I had something called empathy where it hurt for me to and if you don't have that I don't know how like reasoning is gonna yeah. I think some kids definitely have more empathy than others. And so if a kid has more empathy and more feeling, then when they understand, okay, I'm going to be hurting a person if I do this, that kind of works for them. But for other kids, the reasoning, somehow it like... Do we know if that's like a brain chemical thing that you're born with? Or if it's something that like your parents were shitty? 
I think that's a million dollar question. Because I've heard this thing where like if a kid is like acting out weird or being like that, a lot of people say there must be something going on in the family. I don't know where I stand about that because I just don't have enough information. Yeah. I hope my kid isn't an asshole. I don't know what I would do. Because you can't, you can't explain that, you know, making other people feel bad is bad. Like, how do you... Yeah. That, that feels innate to me. Yeah, so, but for some people, they have to learn it through proxy. Like, if you make other people feel bad, maybe you don't understand that, but you're going to be made to feel bad in a very direct way because I'm going to slap you. And then they remember that. They actually remember, like, through a Pavlovian conditioning, that if I beat up another kid, something bad is going to happen to me. And that's how they learn not to do that, not out of empathy. And the interesting thing is that some religions do the same thing. It's like, a, they're like, if you do bad things to other people, you're going to go to hell. So they're basically encouraging people to do the right thing out of fear of their own personal consequences. How well does that work? Huh? How well does that work? Do I don't know. But a lot of people will argue that it's very effective in there keeping of, bad behavior in check. I feel like there's a lot of devout religious people that that are not good people mm. you know despite believing in whatever punishment system that their god has come up with yeah 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 so i don't understand how that how the the punishment system works if there there are still people i mean if you look in the catholic church for example yeah like, it yeah, doesn't seem true. to be working too well. Yeah, but I guess the counter-argument would be, I mean, of course, people are not all good people, but at least religion has, like, if you're afraid of these rules and things like that, at least it limits the amount of damage that you would cause to the world. You don't think? I feel like, I mean, there's a lot of very powerful people in the world that either are religious or, in quotes, are religious, that are doing a lot of damage, despite having learned their entire life. Like, yeah. you do bad things, you get punishment from God. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't know if they are somehow justifying the bad things and saying, oh, this is actually, like, I, I read the text my way and it makes it okay. Or if they just think they're they're special, like I, I I'm not going to go to hell. Yeah. I, or I guess to some extent, it's not. I think in some some. I don't I don't know that much about Christianity, but my understanding of it is, it's not necessarily do bad things go to hell. It's if you aren't one of the chosen ones, you go to hell. Mm-hmm. And if you believe, no matter how bad you are, you go to heaven. Yeah, it depends on flavors of Christianity, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, so I've been an atheist from a young age, and I have dated, like, multiple people who are pretty religious. And I've definitely met a lot of people who are like, no, this kind of an authoritarian structure in the world, in parenting or whatever, where you don't question the authority, and you live by its rules, kind of a little bit apprehensive of the bad consequences of breaking the rules 
is absolutely necessary in order for you to and i have like tried to push back against it as much as possible and i think i'm very interested in not only bringing up kids in a non authoritarian teaching environment but also the possibility of bringing up whole human generations in systems that are not you know unquestioning authority because i feel like it's possible for people like for a bottom up kind of self regulating learning things on your own but it's definitely trickier if nothing else it's more complex yeah parenting by intimidation you go back to the same tool again and again it's like a blunt object whereas <laughs> parenting without intimidation it's a whole lot more complex so i think the answers are going to be different every situation i i think it's possible that um explaining everything with reasoning works to the point like as long as your kid doesn't pick apart insects for fun yeah um but then at that point you know i don't i don't know how to explain that causing pain to others is bad so that might be where if they don't just get that yeah, the yeah, authoritarianism yeah. has to step in i'm not sure yeah um and that might be you know why religions were created in the first place for the people that don't avoid bad things because they're bad they need an extra reason right yeah um and i guess it's worked to some extent like our our species has survived this long yeah um not sure if we would be doing better or worse without any religion but it's mm. another million dollar question i guess but yeah i'm i'm definitely i feel like nowadays less people are having kids one mm. and two people who are having kids they're not just at least in in the US and western countries as far as i can tell they're not just having kids because that's what you're supposed to do you know you get a job get married have kids that's how life works they're actually choosing to do it actively and i think that'll definitely make a difference in how how people parent is they're not just you know doing it cuz their parents did it they're doing it because they want to bring a human into this world and that's got to affect how you how you treat the human mm-hmm. and how you raise them and who they become um so i do have a i i do think that you know generations of questioning people who weren't weren't raised fully by intimidation might might become a i don't know though yeah yeah there is a bit of a opposite argument to that that i had read once where there was this guy who was a foreigner who became a teacher in china and he basically had to deal with the generation of kids who were born during um china's like one child policy and so these were kids who were single children of like pretty well to do middle class people who because of the government focused all of their resources and attention and spoiling on these kids and so when he was a teacher he would like repeatedly encounter situations where this kid growing up has basically been used to having it all and their parents are constantly ferociously demanding for more space and everything and so as a teacher as he's trying to like teach and like draw a fair line like no you don't get that grade or things like that it's like 
they like freak the fuck out and he's like oh shit there has been this fallout of this China's one child policy that it's basically now a generation of brats um so that's the kind of like other possible counter argument is that if people are having fewer kids and when they do they're spending a lot more resources on them then some of these children might be trained in such a way that it's the opposite thing you know i mean of course they don't get intimidated but they're like i can do whatever the fuck i want because that's the cocoon in which they grew up yeah. uh, i'm i'm sure that having a sister made me a very different person from who i would have been if i were an only child you know i i, I don't understand the dynamic of people that the entire time their parents were just focused on them yeah like that that blows my mind but i feel like there's a there's a difference between like giving your kid everything that it wants and like taking an active role in parent parenting using reasoning and and non-intimidation tactics right even if the the kid is like your main focus you you can understand I'm not going to spoil them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. It, it'll be it'll be interesting as people have less kids how they and there are more only kids being born, I'm sure how they they change yeah. like the societal makeup and everything. I think this problem, this opposite problem actually is also an intimidation problem but in the opposite direction. Parents where parents learn to kids. become intimidated by their kids every demand and whatever you know so the, the kids learn that too they're like if i throw a tantrum and it works every time mm-hmm. they're going to learn to intimidate through whatever means they have and if if you've only had the one kid you don't i feel like uh in a lot of cases once someone gets to their second kid they've already gone through things they're like oh i can survive a tantrum now I've gone through them a bunch, right? Yeah. But the first one is got to be different, you know. You don't you haven't gone through those first stages of having a baby and having a kid yet. Um, it's just got to be a balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to respect each other as individuals. Not let yourself get walked over, but also not walk over your kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is something that kind of matters to me because when I was growing up, my dad particularly was like an angry person and I learned to become intimidated a lot. And so when I was a little bit older and yeah, I felt like that anger kind of like accumulated within me and I would lash out a lot of times at other people. And then at some point I started chilling out, especially when I got out of the home environment and there was nothing coming at me, so whatever was within started to dissipate. and i became over time a lot chiller like deliberately i was like dude i need to like chill out this anger is not good but then i noticed that in certain situations i was starting to become a little bit more like doormat ish where because i did not want to have this confrontational thing that for a long time had kind of poisoned my life i was actively avoiding any kind of confrontation including ones that needed to happen and i feel like now i'm 
in a stage where I'm trying to really be very mindful and realize that the balance is not in one direction or the other, but it's somewhere in the middle. It's kind of like a razor's edge. And so I have to, re- I have to modulate both my tendency for anger and my tendency for fear so that I can walk that kind of like tightrope. And this confrontation that you just saw, I was actually kind of on that tightrope because I was oscillating internally mm-hmm. between being intimidated and between lashing out. <laughs> and so like a conversation like this is like very important for me because I feel like there's the verbal part of the conversation where I like we're talking about concepts, but there's also some kind of and the verbal concepts I'll probably forget after a few days or weeks. But there is some nonverbal aspect, some little vibey thing that I notice kind of stays inside and maybe like percolates, slightly informs me in a charge situation the next time, you know. Some little fraction of these mm-hmm. concepts like steps in in a situation. Oh yeah, thank you. I did notice that you you seemed to be getting a little more angry, and I was like, "Oh no!" But you reined it in. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I know that that's something where I have a lot of room for improvement, and I feel like I'm trying to focus a lot of energy in improving that corner of my. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's. I, I want to make sure that my kids can ask questions and I'm not saying because I said so, right? Because that's going to encourage them to just, you know, anytime someone says something, they just have to go along with it. I don't want them to feel like that with yeah, me yeah. or with anyone else. So know? could you simulate for yourself, if you were on the receiving end of this kind of person who's like angry and saying, this should have happened, why is this blah, blah, in the same situation, I'm just kind of describing it. How do you feel you would have responded in that situation? Um, Can you simulate? I was actually thinking about bringing up that that has been an issue for us as well. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just an issue for that person. Mm -hmm. And that we all hate it. And it sucks and I'm sorry. Mm. Um, But again, you know, you knew that this was a thing that happens. And just because I wasn't able to prevent it, I mean, you could have prevented it as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, I also probably would have, you know, I don't have work and school the way you do, so I wouldn't have ended up in that situation, I don't think. But that's that's how I would try to yeah, you know, yeah. make sure they know, we know this is an issue, it happens a lot. I'm sorry it happened to you this time. It it, it doesn't just happen to you. you yeah, know? yeah. But do you feel like you would have stayed calm? Yeah, I mean, why, how would how would me yelling have anything? No, it's not. Uh, people don't become not calm because they decide that it's going to help the situation. Okay, yeah. It's just, <laughs> it, they're just wired in a certain way that they get certain stimuli and they become not calm, which is what happened to me. 
Like, I totally know that if I was calmer, I would have been more effective. Uh, I'm not sure. No, I know that there was way more room for me to be more calm. Okay. Because yeah, yeah. I feel like if if that person just keeps on going, like, what's yeah. their end goal, right? They, they just keep getting more and more mad and you stay calm. Yeah. I guess eventually they would diffuse themselves, right? Yeah, I think when you're calm, it, like, diffuses the other person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so you would, you would have been calm. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, that's just part of it. I think that's, like, a rare good quality. Yeah. I mean, this is all speculation. I I don't, I don't know how I would actually react. No, I have actually seen you in situations where you definitely stayed very calm. And in those situations, if I was in your position... I would not have stayed calm. I would either have lashed out or I would have felt like really intimidated. Usually it's a mixture of both. It's both happening at the same time. Because I think aggression is a reflection of fear. And so it's like, you know, the feeding into each other. Yeah, something I say a lot is like the, the way that someone is acting towards you is mostly about them and not about you. Mm-hmm. Like if they, they want to get a reaction out of you or they... they they are doing things because of themselves it's not like I don't I, I try yeah. not to take things personally and, and react yeah but I think that also has to do with the parenting that the kinds of lessons that were drilled into your mind as a child um, for some kids they were made to feel like things were about them things were their fault mm-hmm. and a lot of them grew up I think with like crippling self-esteem issues making everything about them and always doing things in order to make the other person not angry or happy. And that seems to be their end goal without thinking about, is this the morally correct thing to do or not? And things like that. That's just how they... right for me. Yeah, yeah. My mental health... They basically learn to associate good or bad by, is this person like pleased with me or not? Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining Veronica and me today in the Room of Lives. See you later, crocodile.